2NURFM. We're talking travel for our sponsor, Travel on King. And Sally Lucas, one of the places that really is good for us because it's reasonably close and yet reasonably exotic is Singapore. Are we going there today? We are going there today, Jane. And it's considered one of the world's most multicultural cities and it seems to be always celebrating something. But this year... Singapore has an extra special reason to put on her party outfit because it's the Golden Jubilee of sealing its independence in 1965. So there's lots of things happening in Singapore, obviously, to celebrate this. Um, And, of course, it is such a mix. You've still got grand heritage buildings, you've got hawkers, you've got green spaces, you've got glitzy shopping malls, you've got fantastic hotels. You know, when you look at the um, Marina Bay, you know, there's just one example, but there's a Marina Bay Sandshore call it, sorry, um, which is boat shaped and has the one wonderful infinity pool right on the top. So yes, so to coincide with the anniversary, Singapore is set to usher in a number of new attractions for this year, including uh, a National Art Gallery and the Singapore Sports Hub, which will host the 28th um, Southeast Asian Games. They're also adding more than a dozen metro uh, stations currently uh, being developed, um, so it'll be a lot easier to get around once that's completed. And even Even easier because it's not difficult, is it? Well, no, it's not difficult. And even taxis aren't expensive, to be quite honest. If you're a family, it's often just as cheap to get a taxi as to go on the metro, you know, because if you've got four of you or something like that, a taxi is often cheaper. They all speak English, you know, they're very polite. It's it's a very safe city to to get around as well. So and not only are they having metro extensions, even Changi Airport, which has been named uh, again, I think, the uh, third year in a row, one of the best airlines or the best airline in the world, it's going to get two new terminals and a third runway in the next few years as well. So it's really growing. And not only that, Singapore's also been sort of nurturing a change in having a fashion scene now. And Asia has never been known for its coffee, but they're even sprouting up really good artisan coffee places are taking off. Brunch has become a thing, which was never a thing really in Asian uh, destinations. But, I mean, you can still tuck into a plate of that wonderful Singapore chilli crab or go to your hawkers, as we've said before. But also, you've got to remember what it would have been like in the old days. Now, if you stand at the Raffles um, landing site along the Singapore River, which is where Sir Stamford Raffles first stepped on the island in 1819, imagine what did he see back then? Well, he, he saw a river, of course, which he considered deep enough to be a port for a trading outpost. And it was in this discovery that sparked the birth of modern Singapore, of course. So, But in all those days, the ships had to pass sail past the Singapore River to reach what they called the go-downs and shop houses at at Boat Quay and of course it was a big trade area which this has all changed now so this river of course has had a a metamorphosis if you like and it's now a really funky place to go around Clark Quay, Boat Quay etc where you know you can have a nice drink you can have a lovely meal, you can have entertainment etc but if you want to relive the old days you can also hop on a river taxi or a cruise and and wind your way way down the river still as well Um, then you've got a of course, um, Orchard Road. Now, it originally was an orchard or an orchard farming area, hence the name. And it's a 2.2 kilometre shopping strip, which has best been known for years as a, as a massive shopping strip. And it's have a complete overhaul as well, the whole strip. Um, but back in the days, 150 years ago, it was just a small lane lined with fruit orchards, nutmeg plantations and pepper farms. So yes, if you look back to then, that humble origins, it certainly has changed. And 
from the 19, about 1903, shops started springing up for the first time and the first supermarket opened and first department store was opened in 1958. So there you go. Isn't it interesting how times have changed over the years? And nice to be able to remember the old times and look at how they've changed. Well, that's it. And you've still got little pockets. I mean, a lot of it disappears with progress, but you've still got Little India, which is fascinating to wander through. It, it really is. And it was once in Little India, it once had a race course, cattle herders and brick kilns and all sorts of things there, which of course these are gone. But even so, you've still got a lot of olden day type traders there, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, flower garland vendors, you have eateries, boutique hotels, art groups, etc. So yes, and you've got Hindu temples and all sorts of things there that are really fascinating and yummy South Indian vegetarian food you can grab hold of as well. And then you've got Chinatown, which again has is smaller than it used to be, but it's still there and you can go and see all these wonderful, again, temples and lots of little treats down there as well. And there's this new street now called Club Street, or well, new named street, and this apparently is the real hive of activity on Friday and Saturday nights where it's the in place to go, locals and expats to go and have a, a few drinks and have a good night out night out, should I say. So yes, it has changed. And the other thing with uh, Chinatown now, would you believe, there's free Wi-Fi throughout Ch- Chinatown, so you can plug in anywhere while you sightsee, shop and eat. So Singapore has evolved and changed, but of course it did have, you know, simple beginnings like a lot of countries, or most countries did have, and it's nice to remember those and incorporate them still into the modern day city that it is today. We are talking travel on to NURFM for our sponsor, Travel on King, and uh, somewhere a little cooler than Singapore, perhaps, but somewhere <laughs> where they also speak English, I believe, of a sort. Of a sort that I sometimes can't understand. But yes, we've talked about cruising a lot over the programs, Jane, but this is just something very different in cruising, which I always like to discover and find. Um, It's a vessel called the Hebridean Princess, and she does cruises around the islands of Scotland, Northern Ireland, the Isle of Man, but not just ocean voyages. They go in, into some of the locks and cruise around locks. They go you know, rivers and firths and all this sort of thing to do something that's very, very different. And the islands apparently around this area, and there are so many, I didn't realise how many there actually were. And I guess if you've got a detailed map, you would know that. But they've all got something different to offer. And they're quite lush and fertile islands as well, because they get a lot of rainfall. So this particular vessel, it's an all-inclusive um, situation where meals and drinks on board and ashore if you're when you're ashore snacks and picnics all sorts of things fresh fruit baskets champagne and wines etc um, the only ones you can't have they have what they call a library wine list of course and you have to pay for those so you can have them you just you have, have to, to pay yes. for them yes um, entrance fees like to all the castles gardens and other points of interest as well uh, wherever you go as well as transfers between the ship and each destination ashore you have guides and guest speakers accompanying all the cruises on board and also on the tours ashore. Um, they have a program called Footloose Walking. So on some of the itineraries, you actually are getting off the vessel. Um, sometimes it'll be by tender because it'll depend on you know where they can anchor. Uh, sometimes you're pulling right in into a dock and then you 
doing walking tours before you come back on board and you have special um, walking itineraries with guest speakers on those. You also have bicycles on board if you want to explore a shore, not by foot but on bicycle. Um, free Wi-Fi access, use of the ship's iPads which are located in the library. So yeah, um, also they include insurance as well which is, is a good thing and lots of other extra activities, port taxes, uh, gratuities, there's a no tipping policy on board which is great. Um, so the only thing really is not included as I said is personal telephone calls or items you purchase on board or laundry, you know that sort of thing or the library wines. Um, so yeah, this is, I think it's just wonderful because when I had a look at some of the itineraries, the it's a it's a huge book you can download it, but I'd suggest just download the pages you need because it was about oh gosh, about 120 pages long. That's how many itineraries there are for you to choose from, just to give you an idea. So yes, it's doing like um, the, lots of itineraries. I said of Scotland, they do gardens, some of Britain's most beautiful gardens, which um, they take you into as well. They do classical music recitals in some inspiring locations, including a, a cave, which has got a wonderful acoustics. Um, of course, they do some uh, whiskey distilleries in Scotland as well. Of course they would. Why wouldn't they? Mm. Um, and lots, lots more activities. So, yeah, I just thought, what a wonderful way to see that part of the top of, of England and Scotland, you know, and also the fact that you have knowledgeable guides and, you know, in, wonderful guest speakers that are really going to um, enrich your time both on board and ashore, so you're getting the most out of your cruising. And it's, I just thought, wonderful. Do something a little bit different for those cruise people who are looking for something a little different. I'm sure they would enjoy that. And the west coast of Scotland is one of the most beautiful parts of the UK of as well, and probably least inhabited too. Well, that's it. And even the top parts of Northern Ireland, of course, have some wonderful scenery as well with the causeway, etc. there, that wonderful part of, you know, Ireland north of Belfast. So, yes, it's interesting. I think, too, that you're going into locks and, and rivers too. You're not just doing, as I said, hugging outside coastal waters. You are doing a whole different range. So there'd be a cruise there to suit anybody. If you're a seasick person, we'll do one of the cruise of the locks or the or the rivers and so many uh, themes to choose from as well which I think is fantastic so it's a it's a really wide range of programs. Thank you Sally Lucas. Thank you Jane. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news for our sponsor Travel on King on to NURFM.